Are you going through a difficult time? Are you experiencing a season of life that has tested your faith? Hey sister, I'm Rachel Williams and I'm right there with you. I've walked through divorce, single parenting, and in December of 2021, I was diagnosed with metastatic breast cancer. I know what it means to feel lost, scared, and defeated. But the good news is that I know that God uses all things for good for those who love Him. I know that He has a plan for me of hope in the future. I want to pass that faith-based confidence on to you. So welcome to your new safe place. Enter into a community where you can be comfortable as we dig into biblical truths and discover hope for encouragement in your life. Because I believe that you are capable of powering through this season with tangible and actionable tools to rely on when you begin to feel hopeless. I'm here today to tell you, friend, that you can walk in godly freedom even when it's hard. It begins with uncovering God's promises in your life and arming yourself with God's truth so that you can conquer whatever hardships that you encounter. I'm here to guide you through the valley so that you can really live in truth and light. Let's shift our mindset from victim to victorious because we are warriors. So come fight with me, sister. Grab some coffee. And let's do this. back, Warriors. I'm so glad that you were able to join us today. I hope that everyone had a wonderful Thanksgiving and that you were able to spend some much-needed time with those that you love. Um, I know I tried to soak up every single second that I could with my children. We get so busy in the day-to-day activities and normalcy of life. It was so good to just slow down and be intentional in that season, Um, but I'm glad to be back. I have another one for you that I am super excited about. God created us in His image. I have spoken to this before as far as the emotional aspects of our healing, but physically speaking, our bodies were designed beautifully and magnificently. Um, There is so much more that our bodies are capable of doing, but we often shut them down in a sense by viewing them as broken. Often we should just shift our mindset from broken to deficient. Our human design is so beautifully intelligent. When we shift our focus to the deficiency and really dig to the root of that, our bodies really do have the ability to take care of itself much more than we give it credit. Now, am I saying that there is never a need for medicine? Absolutely not. Hear me now, friends. Sometimes when we ignore deficiencies and signs that our bodies are needing attention, you get to a point like where I am, where I am a walking testimony to the fact that I am relying on God in combination with medicine and lifestyle changes to heal my body. And sometimes, no matter what we do, stuff happens and we need medicine. I am thankful for medical providers and what they do for us on a daily basis, and I never want to portray anything otherwise. But this is my belief, friends, and you may fall in the middle or on the extreme one way or the other. I'm only here to present you with facts and science-based research to try to help you in your journey to whole health. To help me with this, I am so excited to introduce our guest today. This brilliant mind is also in the medical field, but she has expanded her knowledge and really dug deep in terms of getting to the root of our health and what our bodies truly need to thrive. She is the one who actually led me in the direction to begin studying the pro-metabolic ancestral eating lifestyle, and it has truly impacted my life and beliefs in terms of the way that God created us. Erin Martin is someone who loves her family and loves people and is passionate about learning and helping those around her, which is what led her into nursing. 
She has been a registered nurse for about five and a half years. She was a med surge nurse for two years right after nursing school and then worked as a critical care nurse the last three and a half years. She recently pressed pause on the workforce to be at home with her daughter, Charlotte, and wanted to put her energy in her home and preparing for their next baby. Um, she is married to her high school sweetheart, Cameron. They are coming up on eight years of marriage and they are expecting another baby in February. Although she misses aspects of her job, she is happy to be home, to carve out time, to be intentional with this pregnancy, and just take things slow while enjoying all the little moments with her family. So welcome, Erin. Thank you so much for joining us today. Hey, Rachel. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so honored to be here, and I can't wait to just dive into all of this stuff that we have to talk about and see where it goes. All right. Sounds awesome. I was telling our listeners earlier earlier about how you were actually one of the first ones to point my attention to this area of study. Um, it, it's really funny, though, because I dug into the information that you sent when you sent it to me right at the beginning of my diagnosis. But later, I dug into my own research just in terms of getting to the root of disease and illness. And my research led me right back to some of the very same podcasts that you recommended and Morley Robbins' work. Um, and I really thought that that was fascinating. So, Tell me what led you down this path of really the alternative to alternative healing, especially, you know, with you being in the medical field and right in the midst of conventional medicine. Yeah, that's a good question. And I love that you took this information and ran with it. I remember when I messaged you and you said, I love to learn and I love to dig into things. <laughs> and you were not kidding. <laughs> um, but yeah, of course. So I would say that I've been to alternative health for maybe seven years now. Um, and that looked a lot like at first, like hardly doing any dairy. And when I did, it was just like the organic basic dairy with all of the added vitamins. Um, so I thought I was doing really good for myself when I was doing all of the green smoothies, the nut milks, um, just anything when you think alternative health, that's pretty much, I feel like what I was doing. Um, and then I got really intentional with like cutting out toxin toxic products in our house and then like the skincare that I used and I even dabbled in veganism for a little bit um help me lord and help my marriage because Cameron was <laughs> just thought I was crazy um but it wasn't until after having my baby back in 2020 that I started I felt like really questioning everything um and it's funny that you say the alternative to the alternative health because I feel like that's what this is um, but yeah, we had our daughter at home, um, with our midwife, which I thought then that was like the pinnacle of what being natural was. <laughs> and I felt like I didn't know anything then compared to just stuff I've learned. Um, but throughout all of my pregnancy, I would have, you know, different conversations with a close friend of mine who was very like-minded and then as well as my midwife. Um, and we would just talk about childhood vaccinations, um, breastfeeding versus formula and things of that nature. Um, things I'd always assumed I would do or hadn't really put much thought in. You know, I always thought that I would vaccinate my baby and didn't really care if I was breastfeeding or formula fed. Um, so yeah, just throughout those conversations and reading some books, my eyes begin to open a lot, I feel like, to things that I've never thought of before. Or if I did think of, you know, being a nurse, I'm just like, well, heck yeah, I'm going to vaccinate. You're an idiot if you don't. Right. Um, you know, right. And things like that. So 
yeah, I'd had my baby and then just felt more compelled than ever to like learn. And once I kept learning, I couldn't stop wanting to learn. Um, and then not just for myself anymore, not just for my daughter, but for my future children and their future children. So one thing kind of led to another. And then I just realized, you know, like how much ancient wisdom has been lost in our generation. And then the one before us as well. Um, so I began asking questions about pregnancy for my mid or to my midwife, you know, kind of like, why is delayed cord clamping so good yet so uncommon in a lot of hospitals? What truly is the big deal about not washing the vernix off the baby after birth? Cause you know, you have your baby and they give them a bath like within 24 hours. Um, why do we fight so hard to breastfeed? Why do we vaccinate our babies? But that's a whole different conversation on right. its own. Um, <laughs> when I started questioning, you know, the way Western world does birth, it kind of caused a ripple effect into every other aspect of my life. Um, I started questioning everything I've ever been taught, which was really annoying for my family around me. They're like, <laughs> just shut up. And, you know, like, just live your life. Um, but from the healthcare system to the education system and all of the systems in between, um, I would just question. So questions like, why is birth control given out like candy? And then I would learn like, hey, periods are not supposed to be painful, but why is it so like common? Um, why is infertility higher than it's ever been before? Um, learning that fluoride in like in our toothpaste and water, it messes with our thyroid function. Um, and then we're learning that we're pretty much an all in estrogen dominance just because of the 9,000 products we put on our bodies a day. And then learning that diets are a scam. I know that you and Emily touched on that a lot too, but like, yeah, just being open to that. And then learning the craziest thing that butter is a health food. Like who would have thought? Right. Um, but I'm serious when I say I started questioning everything. Um, so then shortly after having her, I went back to work and it was right in the middle of COVID. Um, I was a critical care nurse who just started questioning the why in allopathic medicine. And it just happened to be in the midst of a worldwide pandemic. So that was really interesting and kind of a hard place to be at the time. Um, but I was learning about nutrition and I don't mean like nutrition, like American Heart Association would recommend kind of nutrition, but like I started digging really deep into what it means to fully nourish your body, like on a cellular level, um, and then going beyond diet culture and beyond working out to lose weight and all of those things that our culture tells us being healthy, you know, what being healthy should look like. Um, but I was kind of more interested in, you know, what it means to honor your body with your thoughts and your words and having gratitude and then being balanced and simplifying your life really. Um, but it really is such a shift. Um, I think I spent about five and a half years as a nurse and, you know, you go from looking at the human body as if it's broken and something that needs help from the pharmaceutical industry to looking at the human body as something that fights so hard every day for us. Um, it just needs the right tools to assist and maybe even needs help from us and limiting our exposure to toxins in our environment. Um, but it goes without saying, I'm just going to say anyways, because I feel like a lot of times when people hear anybody say anything, especially in the medical field about kind of not against the medical field, but just like, hey, there are other options. Um, people can kind of get up in arms about it. But I do just want to say that, you know, thank God for medicine and technology and these advances that we've made. Um, you know, the surgeries that are performed and diagnoses that are able to happen because of these technologies. But 
I'm just super grateful for doctors, nurses, respiratory therapists, sonographers, phlebotomists, CNAs, and all of the people that, you know, make it happen. I mean, I work with some of the very best and I learned so much from all of them. Um, they were such a blessing and so instrumental in my nursing career and just my life in general. I mean, I've seen people walk out of the hospital way better than when they came in. Um, I think extremism is dangerous in any direction. And I think even that the most, you know, the most natural people one day may have to come face to face with the healthcare system. But I think until that day comes, we need to be equipped and learn in our bodies by practicing intuition. And, you know, rather than in suppressing symptoms with another medication, maybe start asking, like, what is our body trying to tell us? What is our body trying to rid itself of? Yeah. So, I mean, that's. <laughs> I, I, that all of that, like all of that. Yes, yes. And yes. I mean, I, I really, I, I almost feel like we need to have like a moment of silence after all of that, <laughs> especially that last little bit. Um, but I just, I just love how you say that extremism on either end is dangerous. Um, I know there are listeners that will be so defensive and up in arms, like you said, especially when we start bringing up the, the vaccination word, which, you know, I 100% agree could be a whole episode by itself. And right. and one day I'd, pro- I'd love to have you back to discuss just childhood vaccinations and really, you know, send people into a tailspin. But, oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> But I have to say, I'm completely fascinated by all, with all of this, and I've really begun to nerd out, as Emily put it last week, on this topic and and just really dig in whenever I can. So I understand what you mean about, you know, learning a little leads to the desire to, to learn yeah. so much more, and it's, and it's just a cycle. But um, to add on that just a little bit, this honestly is just my kind of my mission, is just to get this information out to people, you know, to see that there are ways that we can really honor our bodies and and get back to, you know, the way God designed us mm-hmm. so that we won't get in these health crises like I'm in right now. But I understand that sometimes that will happen. And, and like, I'm like you, like, I thank God for my oncologist and my surgeons and, and the medicine that is keeping me alive right now. So um, just all of that is just such, you know, I agree. I'm just going to stamp that with yeah. an agree and move on. <laughs> so. And I'm so glad that you're doing this. Like, I mean, truly it's brave. Like I've thought not about doing a podcast, but like doing classes or doing things. I don't know that I guess like really puts yourself out there. And I'm like, no, no, no. Like it's too controversial. No, no, no. So the fact that you're like doing it is, I mean, truly is right. beautiful and inspirational. And, and it awesome. really is amazing that I, that I really started digging into this before my diagnosis. Actually, you know, I, I talked to your sister for a little bit when Carter was just born and we got on this subject of all kinds of stuff. And she led me, you know, she wasn't giving me any kind of advice. She just said, uh-huh. listen to this podcast. And it was oh. the vaccine, the vaccine conversation. Yeah, um, I didn't know that. Yes. And I started, <laughs> I started actually listening to that, you know, when I was researching about the COVID vaccine, but mm-hmm. then it led me into vaccines with children. I'm like, oh my gosh, like, Right. I didn't even know that it was possible to not. I just thought you vaccinate your kids because that's Absolutely. what you do. Yeah. Because there's never been any talk of anything different. But after listening to that podcast, I made the decision to not vaccinate Carter. Mm-hmm. And um, it just, oh, so much. That That's really when all of it started. And I wish, you know, you can't say, I mean, I know I'm here for a reason. But I right. just wish that I had really dug into this before 
years before. And so that's kind of mm-hmm. my goal is to educate people so they don't have to be where I'm sitting. Okay, so I have so many questions for you, but to begin, um, talk to me about seed oils a little bit. What are they and why are they so detrimental to our health? <laughs> well, they're rabbit holes, what they are. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so it's another thing that I've been venturing down for two years now, I would say, since Charlotte has been born. And my goodness, it is in everything. They're in everything. Um, I mean, I couldn't care less, like, what the front of the package says or the box says. It can say organic and natural and non-GMO all day long. Um, But that is greenwashing. And I just don't... um, I mean, they put it in everything. They put it in food, drinks, skincare. Some way or another, it's going to be in some product. But basically, sugar is, I feel like, has been made to be the enemy and the cause for disease for so long and the cause of inflammation and all that. But just from what I've learned, it's a lot to do with seed oils. And, I mean, sugar has its time and its place. I mean, too much of anything is bad for you, but I don't think that sugar is quite the villain that it's made out to be. Um, I mean, after all, every one of our cells needs glucose to function. So let me back up and give just a little bit of context. So when referring to seed oils, I mean, it can be anything from canola oil to sunflower oil to grapeseed, palm oil, cottonseed oil. Um, so things like that. Um, so earlier when I referred to the American Heart Association diet is because they classify these oils as healthy oils because of the type of fat that's in them, which is called polyunsaturated fatty acids, also known as PUFAs. Um, I mean, not to be too technical because I'm not a super witty person by any means, but so basically all matter is made up of molecules. And then you have the molecular structure of PUFAs, which are by nature unstable. So meaning that when they become oxidized, so when they're exposed to light, heat or air, they go rancid. Um, So it doesn't matter if you have organic sunflower seed oil versus non-organic. It all does the same thing when it gets into your body because your body is what normally 97, 99 degrees and those oils can't sustain those temperatures. So after they go rancid, they cause what you call oxidative stress, which in turn causes inflammation and at the base of every disease, whether it's autoimmune disease or Parkinson's and Alzheimer's, um, the root cause is in some way or another inflammation. Right. Um, and I'm not saying like never eat a seed oil because I think that's when you can get into trouble, you know, cause you have, you have to live your life. Like you go out to eat, like that's a privilege to go out and eat with your friends or your family. Um, and there's going to be seed oil. So do you just, you know, I'm not going to eat ev- out ever because I don't want to put this stuff in my body. No, I think that's when you look at the priorities, like, you know, hanging out with your family and friends and like enjoying and laughing, enjoying each other's company is, you know, so beneficial for your health way more than food is. But anyway, so I think that's what diet culture has done to America specifically is because we want these lists to go back to, you know, we want the do's and the don'ts and then we become stressed because, you know, we feel like we failed or we feel like we've fallen short when we do partake in these things, which then increases cortisol so that's just like a whole other cascade of issues. But yeah. anyways, um, so I think what I was saying earlier about just being balanced is it really is so important. So if you start from the foundation of like, okay, I feel very negative towards my body. I feel like it has failed me, you know, for so many years because my body won't lose weight. I feel like I can't get ahead. You know, I struggle with maybe chronic issues, digestive issues, whatever it might be. 
And then for so long, you've just thrown these diets and maybe they're not quick fixes. Maybe they're set, you know, it's like, Hey, in six months, you will look like this or feel like this. But at the end of the day, it's a diet and you can't sustain on diets. Um, it wreaks havoc on your metabolism, which just causes so many different issues. Um, and then, you know, believe it or not, your body listens to your brain. So if you're constantly telling yourself negative things, your body is going to respond in that way. So if you have that mindset and then you go into it with, I'm going to cut out this and I'm going to cut out that, and I'm only going to eat this and I'm only going to eat that, then you're setting yourself up for failure to begin with. But if you start at a place of gratitude towards your body, like looking at it, like, you know, it's a work of art and it's something that is literally fighting every second of every day to maintain homeostasis, no matter the millions of chemicals we put in it, um, you know, and the stress we put it through and the lies we believe about ourselves, it's still fighting for us, which is pretty miraculous. So I know that didn't really end with seed oils, but, um, I think just talking about the importance of avoiding them, but then also talking about like what it looks like to be balanced, you know, initially. So then when you go into like, Hey, I'm going to, you know, go out and eat with friends, but I know that the majority of my life is set up in a way that helps serve my body. So that if I do have a seed oil or a French fry or whatever, it's like, okay, my body can take this because of all of the other things I give it. Exactly. And I love how our terminology is overlapping with the episode that I did with Emily a couple of weeks ago. You know, she mentioned um, balance and the diet culture of society and how it literally wreaks havoc on our metabolism. Um, Such good stuff. But I also love that you mentioned oxidative stress. Um, I believe that we'll touch on this a little more later in the episode, but you know, this term comes up repeatedly in my studying, especially with the work of one of the researchers that I find to be so knowledgeable in this area, Morley Robbins. Um, he ties so much back to oxidative stress. So it's really, it's really neat that you brought that up. Um, but on to a big topic that I want to discuss, raw milk. Um, so many people, including my mother, um, have this instilled fear of raw milk, you know, milk that has not been pasteurized. Um, let, let's talk about this. You know, so many of my friends think that I'm absolutely crazy. They're like, oh my right. gosh, you're, you're going to die. But why are people in today's society so terrified of milk that hasn't been pasteurized? Let's just start there. Yeah, I love this question. Um, so raw milk is something that I get very excited about. Um, broad dairy in general, um, whenever I've told people, and I don't just come right out and say it because they will genuinely think you're just super weird if you drink raw dairy, but, um, or raw milk. Right. But, um, yeah, it's like, I've had a lot of people in my family, um, and then just even some friends and they're just like, why would you do that? Like, why would you not just get it at the grocery store? Um, but we hope to get a dairy cow sometime in the next couple of years. So I've uh, learned about it for a couple of different reasons. One, cause I just, you know, the health benefits and stuff, but then two, just to learn how to like actually raise a dairy cow, which kind of is the best, like there's a lot that goes into it. Um, but raw milk is ancient food wisdom. Like it is nothing new. It's not a new fad. It's just something that people are like, and I think they have been for a while. I just think I'm pretty new at it. Like I said, about two years, but, um, I mean, this is nothing new, but people are scared of it because they're told to be scared of it. Um, I guess, which is with anything. Um, but I get it, you know, why bother going and looking further when you can just go to any grocery store and pick up some milk? Um, I thought the same thing, but then when I learned about all of this, I could no longer just go pick up what, I mean, I call white water with adding synthetic vitamins because that's pretty much all it is. 
Um, I remember the first time I went with my sister to get raw milk and I was, it took me like five minutes to even take a sip. Cause I was just like, still believe, like I wanted to try it, but I was still like, Oh God, like this, what if this makes me so sick? Like all the things. So right. I truly did it. Um, but I also think a good question to ask ourselves is, you know, how is it that the healthiest cultures and tribes all over the world have consumed raw milk and have done it for, you know, years and years? And then as soon as pasteurization takes place, I think in what, the late 1800s, I mean, it's like we have amnesia and think raw milk is something to be terrified of. Um, but I think it is important to note that, I mean, there was a time and a place for pasteurization, Um and I know that that's something you're going to be talking about a little bit later, but, you know, with the history of it and all, which is truly fascinating, but it truly blows my mind, like, how Coke is legal and how energy drinks are legal. And when it comes to one of the most nutrient-dense drinks in the world, there's a lot of pushback. Exactly. Um, it'll, it'll never make sense to me, the things that we're allowed and actually not just, like, allowed, but encouraged to give our kids and our babies and ourselves and we believe it that it's good for them because we're told that that is good um but when you really dig into it and heck I mean I don't even think that you have to really dig like if you just look at the back of the ingredients label it's just like how it's almost impossible to see like how any of that would be beneficial for anyone at all um you know but before there were antibiotics, which again, I'm not knocking. I just think they're widely overused. Um, there were probiotics, which is found in raw milk. And I know that some people may say, well, what about those of us that, you know, have milk allergies or are lactose intolerant? I would say to them just from things that I've read and they can do their own research, but it's very possible that when you have an allergy, um, to milk that you actually have an allergy to the casein in the milk because of the pasteurization because when you pasteurize it the compounds that break down the casein they're destroyed so there is just left the casein um which is what you may actually have an issue with especially if you already have gut issues which I feel like most of us do I know I do yeah. still that I'm trying to pull from um and that same thing goes for lactose intolerant um the lactase in the milk is broken down from pasteurization so you know, to answer your question, you know, people truly are, I feel like, doing the best they can with what knowledge they have, and then they get busy. You know, you're living your life, you're like you're trying to, sometimes you're in survival mode, you know, you're trying to do the best for your kids, you're trying to be there in your marriage and whatever, you know, curricular activities that you have, but if someone tells you you could potentially die from drinking raw milk, like that's not something you're going to, you know, spend much time in. You're going to say, okay, let me go get my, you know, 2% and let's get on with our day. Um, but that's not a bad thing. I just truly believe that most people want to do the best for their families and themselves. So maybe if the information isn't so hard to find, you know, like your wonderful podcast here, it could inspire the listeners to maybe dig a little deeper, you know, for what they put in their body and, you know, things they're told to believe about different things like raw milk or vaccination and, you know, things like that. Exactly. And, and I think it's important to note here, like the conditions that, that humans and animals were living in during the time that pasteurization was processed, you know, the process was invented. Um, but people in, you know, just brief history lesson here, and you mm-hmm. can correct me if I'm wrong here, but, you know, people in the 16 and 1700s were living on farms with pastures where everyone had a cow or two. And, you know, they're right, right beside each other. And these cows grazed on grass and had and had room for them to graze on grass. And then in the 1800s, you know, people began to move into the cities more. Yep. And in the city, there was no grass. So all you had was a bunch of literal cow crap in the streets 
and and no food for these cows. But, you know, there are a lot of breweries in the city where they were making rum. So from what I've learned, you know, the cows ate like basically the sludge left over for making this rum. And, yeah. you know, that that's what they ate. And... You know, cows were living in filthy conditions with no pasture and no water. And, you know, yeah. the, the water they were drinking was the same ones that they were washing the streets and cleaning the sewers oh with. And, you know, they were eating this weird food they'd never eaten before. And, you know, the people milking the cows were diseased. You know, they had different diseases right now during this time. And there, there really were no health and sanitation regulations for the ones right. who were milking the cows. Um, so... It was just it was just gross. So understandably, people were dying from drinking this stuff, you know, and it's people were dying. Like they said, I've read statistics, you know, right at 50 percent of children who were drinking this were dying. But a lot of that also had to do with the water, the sanitation of the water. And right. so um, from what I've learned, like in 1893, a physician that had lost a grandchild to this milk decided that they were going to have clean milk. And that is mm -hmm. basically where the beginning of this pasteurization process began. You know, so it cleaned the milk. It killed all the bacteria. But in the process, the pasteurization also breaks down all of these other nutrients and makes it just to where it's this weird, you know, this form of thing that we're drinking now that's not exact. Mm -hmm. it, it doesn't have the health benefits that the raw milk does. Right. Um, I do think it's important to note here. Um, that not all raw milk is safe for human consumption. Um, milk that is intended to be put through the pasteurization process um, does not have heavily restricted and um, heavily regulated like rules and guidelines to go by. But there are raw milk farms, and I'm not, you know, I don't, I'm not an expert on this, but I do know that there are farms that produce raw milk that have very heavily restricted and guidelines that they have to go by in order for it to be safe for human consumption. Um, so it's important that you do your research and, and you know where your raw milk is coming from. So let's talk a little about the benefits of raw milk and it's truly like magnificent healing properties. Yeah, so um, I mean, I honestly think we should have a whole episode devoted to this topic because there's just so much to unpack here. But but, I mean, for thousands of years, raw milk was used to treat diseases and infections. Um, and there's just been so many studies about it not only being effective in preventing, but also helping to heal things like digestive disorders, cavities, allergies, asthma, eczema. I mean, the list goes on and on, like high blood pressure, arthritis, um, and just gives like a really good overall immune support. Um, and not to mention, I mean, kids love milk. So I guess so by letting them, you know, drink raw milk and let that be like the primary choice of drink. I feel like it's setting their little bodies up to be a powerhouse for years and years to come. Um, and just to be upfront with any of those of you listening, if you want to be talked out of any of this, just do a really fast Google search or look at what the FDA has to say about raw milk and it'll change your mind really fast if you're not really, you know, convicted about it. So um, if you want a good place to start, um, Weston Price 
he has, or there's his foundation has a website and it has a lot of really good information on pretty much any topic, specifically raw milk, um, ancestral diets, primitive cultures. Um, and then he also has a lot, like he would go to different, um, tribes and stuff and look at people and just like, look at how they like their health, like just their overall physical appearance, just to be, you know, just surface level. Like he would just look at it and say, wow, their jaws are wider. Like they, they just look bigger. They look broader. They just look healthier. And then, um, yeah, he's just done a lot of research on that. And then it's like, as far as like dental, dental things go like cavities, like they had beautiful teeth and, you know, he contributes a lot of that to raw milk. But like I said, I mean, this can be hours upon hours of conversations, but by drinking high quality raw milk, it can help prevent against illnesses and, you know, that even vaccines are protecting against, but without dealing with all of the toxic crap that are in vaccines. Right. So, um, I mean, I just want to say this is not medical advice. I'm not telling you to, you know, drink raw milk and don't vaccinate your kids, but I am putting that out there that this is what, you know, eating like a very nutrient dense diet will help with a lot of things that those are supposed to help. Right. And I agree. And like I said before, you know, never would I say that you have to do this and you need to do this. It's just, it's just, I'm just wanting to educate and let people know Mm. other, other things out there rather than what we're just fed. Absolutely. Um, But, but building on that, what about Mm -hmm. the importance of grass fed animal products like milk, cheese, and butter? Um, What Mm -hmm. makes them more beneficial in terms of our health? Yeah. So I feel like grass fed, that is a buzzword if I've ever heard one. And I feel like that'll make farmers probably want to bang their heads against the walls. Um, And you and I both being in a small town, like we have, there's a crop field around every corner. Like you cannot go down a road without seeing some type of field. So we have a lot of farmers. Um, And I would just like to start this by saying that I appreciate farmers so much, just as I do doctors and dentists, um, But I think, like I said in the beginning, that, you know, ancient wisdom has been lost in our generation and the one before us. And I think a lot of that is because we are so globalized. Like, um, you know, you can eat in the dead of winter. You can go get a mango or a pineapple or a banana. And it's like none of that is seasonal food for us. But because we're able to, you know, there's just you're just able to have that access now, whereas, you know, 100 years ago you weren't so. I mean, I truly believe that the weight of the world is on the shoulders of the farmers and not to mention, like, there's just not as many of them as there used to be, right. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, back in the day, people had their own garden, like you were saying. They had their own cow or two cows. They were very self-sustainable. But now, um, you know, industrialization happened. People now have jobs. Both people work, you know, husband and wife. They go to work, and they have jobs that are not farming. Like, most people get up every day, and they go to work, and that work is not tending to the fields in their own back yards so that leaves the farmers to supply a mass amount of crops for a very large population and they truly are the backbone of this country i believe um however i do believe just from research and just from tests that have been done on the soil there is a lack of minerals in our food um because of the pesticides and herbicides but i also don't think you can feed millions of people while you know, maintaining the same farming practices and not spray anything. I think that would be impossible. Um, But also, I think there is something to be said about regenerative agriculture that is not being implemented that could help by restoring our soil that brings, you know, more of like a holistic approach to our crops. But all that to say, I think if you want the very best that you can possibly get, 
where that you know that you know that you know that things are clean and they are as organic as possible and eat how our ancestors ate, then you would literally need to have your own cow, your own garden, your own pigs, chickens, bees, and so on. But, you know, as people's lives just are not set up that way, um, where they can just stay home and tend to their farm. So... I guess until that day ever comes, we just need to do the best we can with the resources and the knowledge and the money that we have. Um, but back to your question and back to grass-fed dairy, I just feel like I needed to preface that. Um, <laughs> right. I'll keep it simple and say I'm not against grain. Absolutely not. I just I'm against grain that is sprayed with chemicals, and it is very very hard to find it not sprayed. Um, me and my husband, we've talked to a couple farmers in our area, and they've just been really upfront with, you know, how their cows are fed. And even even though it is on grass, most of the time when they go to feed them out, so it's like a couple months before they get butchered, um, they feed them out on grain because it fattens them up and it makes them taste better. Um, I don't disagree with that at all. I've had grass-fed, grass-finished, and then I've had just like a regular you know, steak and the regular steak is better. I don't disagree. But, um, the reason I feel like health fanatics have coined the term grass fed is because there really is something to it. You know, if you want the most nutrients that you can possibly get like AD and K2, um, which are the highest in cows eating green grass and lower when cows are fed commercial feed, um, then you would want to do grass fed. Um, but that's really all there is to it. But then, I mean, who, who says in large farming practices that the grass isn't sprayed? Um, so I guess that's where regenerative agriculture would come in. Um, but this is, I feel like, something you can get really frustrated at about, you know, if you because you're wanting to do the best for your family. And then you feel like no option is a good option. So it, it just, I mean, I've definitely felt myself just feeling very frustrated at times. But um, if you just stay balanced and then... I've had to like bring myself back like, okay, I, I am so grateful for the choices that I can make. Um, you know, it truly makes eating what it should be a time to honor our bodies with our best. So whether that be going to the grocery store and doing your very best or shopping with your local farmer, um, you know, or having a cow of your own and butchering it, like, are you just ask yourself, are you doing your best? And then being grateful for the food we, that we do have in front of us and using food as medicine for our bodies and then doing all of that with people that you love. So sitting around the dinner table with your family, as well as eating nutritiously, both of those things truly do nourish the body and the soul. So I think that was a really long-winded way to answer your very simple question. But <laughs> basically, by eating things that you know are fed more nutrients, will in turn give our body more nutrients. So, I mean, you may have some people who roll their eyes when you spend the extra couple bucks on grass-fed whatever. But since I don't have my own cow yet or dairy cow, I will be prioritizing, you know, grass-fed over conventional dairy as I can, when I can. Exactly. I think I think you said that very well. Um, so so many of us, myself included, but you know, before I learned all of these things, they're, we're taking supplements and isolated vitamins, um, thinking that we are doing good for our bodies, when in reality, we're just adding to the deficiencies. Um, talk to me a little about a little bit about why taking these things in isolation is is not good for us. All right. I just feel like this episode may just rock people's worlds. Like, what do you mean? Like, we're <laughs> going to stop focus? listening like, now. Unsubscribe. <laughs> <laughs> right. No, no, but this is a fun topic. Um, and also a kind of controversial too, but um, so medications will cause imbalances in the body that you, you know, you'll get 
symptoms from because of the imbalances, and then you'll get another medication to help aid in those symptoms. So, I mean, synthetic vitamins, they're not really any different. Um, I mean, the body is an incredibly complex being, and to think that we can just go up to any drugstore and grab whatever and just think, oh, okay, I'm good now. Like, that's not, I wish it were that easy. Um, but our body's so complex, and it's, I don't think it's one that's ever going to be fully understood. But, I mean, we do know that every system is connected to every other system. So you can't look at the heart, for instance, I guess, without looking at the kidneys. And you can't look at the kidneys without looking at the liver. Um, just like you can't look at the teeth and the gut separately. Well, I mean, you can. I feel like dentists do it all the time. Not knocking dentists, but, you know, it's done all the time. But that doesn't mean it's what's best because um, it's all connected. Like, everything tells a story and all the stories you know, are connected. So yeah. a quick example would be when I would care for patients, if I needed to replace, say, someone's potassium, we would also need to know, like, what is their creatinine, which is a function of the kidney, um, what's their magnesium level, and why, because it all matters, and you can't give something without it affecting something else. You know, the body, it, it works in synergy, not in isolation. So, I mean, you have the vitamin supplement manufacturing industry, industry and it's huge and they're also a business and they know that people are waking up to alternative health um so they're like hey there is something to you know people are like there is something in vitamins and minerals so now you have this multi-billion dollar industry making or attempting to mimic vitamins in a lab and slapping it on the shelf at any, you know, local drugstore, and there you have it. So I guess to make it easier and weed out all the BS, you know, it'd be really best, I feel like, if you just learn about the body. And it doesn't even have to be complex, but just learn, like, what does our bodies need as a baseline? What does everybody need? Um, so that way you're not a slave to every cool and pretty little marketing campaign that comes along and says, you need this and you need that, you know, shout out to the diet industry. They've been doing it for years. Um, but I mean, I'm still learning about all this too. And everything I've touched on so far, I feel like I'm still learning and unlearning and relearning. It's, I mean, it's really never ending. Um, but I, I know that I haven't even scratched the surface of what all there is to know. So it's just fun, you know, being a lifelong student, but I do feel like every time I've learned something about, you know, because throughout my first pregnancy, um, I would take like vitamin D, which I, I realize is just a hormone. So it's, or like prenatal vitamins. And I'm like, why was I doing these things? Well, because that's what I thought, you know, I really thought I was doing the best, but with this pregnancy, it's like a, you know, complete 180. Like, I just feel like I'm doing different things because I've learned. And that's the beauty about life is you just keep learning and growing, you know? Exactly. So, I mean, not, yeah, so not to be overcomplicated or, you know, draw it out. I'll tell you um, what I do just to give like a little picture throughout my pregnancy. Um, that isn't so much about vitamins or synthetic vitamins and supplements as what it used to be. So and I feel like this might just help people or just women in general um, if your body's like can handle this and you, know, you just have to kind of play with it and see. But um, I eat a very animal-based diet, so I try to do at least 100 grams of protein every day, and even more now that I'm pregnant and still nursing um, my toddler. So I go through about one to two gallons of raw milk a week. Um, I try to do lots of aged and raw cheese. That's also really good. The aged cheese is really good with um, K2, um, which they have supplements for, but 
you know, why get a supplement if you can just get it through your food? So, right. um, grass fed if possible, um, lots of good quality salt. So brands like Celtic or, um, Redmond are good. Um, and then carrot salad every day, which decreases your endotoxins and your estrogen, um, adrenal cocktail twice a day, coffee most days if I feel like it, but after I eat breakfast. So that's another thing that I would do. I would wake up drink two cups of coffee and then wonder why my blood sugar feels like it's plummeting by 9 a.m. So, you know, it just puts a lot of strain on your liver. Um, simple carbs and carbs that are really easily to di- easy to digest, so like sourdough and sprouted legumes. Um, and then I have a really big sweet tooth, so I do hot chocolate or ice cream just about every night, which helps keep the blood sugar balanced as I sleep. Um, and then I do things like honey, maple syrup, cane sugar, um, in coffee or when I bake. So basically that's my diet. Um, or, you know, or what I try to do 80% of the time at least. And then to fill the gaps, I do take certain minerals. So I do take shilajit, um, beef liver, cod liver oil, whole food, vitamin C, probiotics, um, and then collagen and gelatin. Um, and so I think that it's a really good thing to be I guess knowledgeable about because we don't want to do synthetic vitamins but it is good to like find whole food vitamins and minerals that you can because like we were saying earlier like your body or like the food and the the meat and stuff today is pleated in minerals so it is good to kind of make up that gap I guess in you know different different supplements that are more natural and whole food um, I also like to do a lot of saturated fat, so like butter, ghee, coconut oil, and beef tallow. Now, notice I say try. I do not do that every day. That's just my goal, and I'm definitely not dead on all the time, but that's fine, too, because, you know, it's a journey, and some seasons look different than others, but let me tell you, if I'm out and about, don't think I will not stop for a coffee or something sweet, right. um, but since being pregnant, I've been trying to be, you know, just a little extra intentional on, like, knowing what supports my body. Um, because when you eat that away, like you're, you know, putting insurance in your body for when you're 40, 50, 60 years old. So back to the vitamins and supplements, um, I do take them, but like I said, they're whole food. So for example, like you may take a synthetic zinc and that may increase your zinc, but in turn, it'll also um, compete for your copper, which then puts your body in further dysregulation when you can just take a beef liver capsule um, if you react well to those. Um, and then you can, you know, you'll be getting your zinc along with copper, iron, and about 35 other minerals. So I would just like to preface in saying that not everybody will react the same to every single vitamin supplement. So it's just kind of about, you know, learning what works for your body and then, I guess, going from there. Key to note here that, that so often we're led to believe that we are deficient in iron. So mm-hmm. to no surprise, we're prescribed an iron supplement. Why do you think this is not a good route to take? Mm-hmm. Um, so this is a very complex topic. Sometimes I just don't feel qualified to give anybody any advice on this topic, but <laughs> I've, I have learned a lot um, about it, I feel like. So, I mean, I familiarize myself with this to the point where my mind has changed on, to it to some degree. Um but I won't say it's not a good idea for every person who's anemic, but I think more labs need to be done to look at the whole picture rather than just like a hemoglobin. Um, I will also be transparent and say this is one of the questions when I saw, when I knew that you were going to ask it, I was like, okay, I kind of want to go through and like review some things that I've saved and refresh my memory. Um, and then you mentioned Morley and he's where I've gotten a lot of my information from, um, 
So I do believe that there are people who really are anemic. But from what I've learned is that there are also people who've been diagnosed with it that are not really low in iron. They're simply dysregulated with iron. Um, so basically the goal of, you know, taking an iron supplement is to stimulate the production of your red blood cells. So, which is just like when I referred to zinc earlier, it will increase your numbers and even resolve your symptoms, but that's temporary. And that doesn't get to the reason for why your ferritin is high or low, if that's what they're basing your anemia off of. Because some people will read it and just say, oh, like your iron is low or, oh, your hemoglobin is low. And then bam, ferrous sulfate pill prescribed. Um, but like I was mentioned earlier, whenever you give a mineral to increase another mineral in your blood or to increase that mineral, it'll also have a direct impact on other minerals. So when you get your labs done more times than not, they do a CBC if that's what they're looking for. But what I've had done once and then when they get it done, um, I think around week 32, um, towards the end of my pregnancy is a full Monty iron panel, but it not only looks at your red blood cells and your iron and your ferritin and so on, but it also looks at your copper, your bioavailable copper and your retinol and your magnesium RBCs. So, um, that's just like a bigger picture. Um, but I've learned a lot specifically from reading and listening to different things for Morley is that it's more of a retinol and copper deficiency. So, in our bodies, you know, we have an iron recycling system that's supposed to be cycling iron throughout our body around 24 to 25 milligrams a day. So the daily recommendation for men is, I think, around eight. And for women, it's around 18 or 19 milligrams a day. So it's just pretty interesting that, I don't know, it's just a lot of iron if that's if we're already recycling, you know, so much. Um, but it is interesting that you know, iron is one of the most abundant elements on planet Earth, and yet we're somehow deficient in it when from at birth, you know, there's fortified iron in our oatmeal and then the formula and so on. Like, it's in makeup and cookware and, you know, water. So, to be iron deficient, like, it's just... It's just interesting to me. So that's why I feel like I've tried to like save a lot of stuff and learn a lot of stuff as I can. But iron deficient anemia is classified as a lack of iron, which then stops the red blood cells from carrying oxygen to the rest of the body. So maybe we're not as efficient in iron, but it's just more so accumulated in our tissues because it's not being recycled in our blood. Um, and why is it not being recycled through our blood? Well, from what I've studied. So in order for that recycling system to work, um, the things that we need are things like whole food vitamin C, which supports iron absorption. And then the biggest thing we need is copper. So that's where retinol, also known as vitamin A, comes in. You need your retinol to convert to copper and then to to bioavailable copper to help the system work properly. So I guess to bring it all together, hopefully, um, because I thought that was just very scattered, but in order to help the iron recycling system work and to get, you know, the accumulated iron out of your tissues, you need to give your body the tools it needs. So that would be, you know, whole food vitamin C, not to be confused with ascorbic acid, um, vitamin A, which is found in animal foods, and then copper, which is found in animal foods, specifically organ meats like beef liver. Because um, that helps cultivate an environment for yourself and your body. And then also by decreasing toxins, um, so the toxic load that builds up. And that can look like using, you know, non-toxic makeup, cleaning products, um, scented candles, you know, getting off of your birth control and things of that nature. 
Um, and then of course getting off of the synthetic supplements. Um, and I don't know if I mentioned it, but why is this such a big deal? You know, like why not just take an iron pill and move on about your day? You know, what's the big deal about it getting stored in our tissues? So when iron is stored anywhere, it rusts. Um, and with that, it causes excess parasites. Parasites love iron. Um, it causes excess bacteria. And then eventually it just wreaks havoc on your immune system and then depletes your magnesium. And we're already magnesium deficient because we burn it at such a high rate. Um, so at the end of the day, it just leads to more inflammation and then having inflammation from oxidative stress like we talked about earlier and then inflammation from iron overload and then being estrogen dominant from our environment. It's like the perfect storm for you know, gut issues, autoimmune diseases, like just whatever can latch on will latch on. Right. And, and cancer. I mean, I feel like everything right. you just said, this happens and this happens and it builds on top of each other. And mm -hmm. here I am, here I sit. <laughs> but, you know, I just, I've learned so much about how iron is the most abundant element in the mm -hmm. world. And so we have so much of it, but it's just stored in the tissues, like you said, and it's not able to be released. And mm -hmm. that is due to the copper deficiency that we have that really we really need to be able to complete that pattern. So I, I, from what I've learned, it just really boils down to us being deficient in copper. So, um, you know, we take more iron and that just adds more iron to our system and more buildup in those tissues, like you said. And it just it just builds on each other and becomes this issue. But. Oh, I just feel like yeah. I could talk, talk okay. about this for yeah. days, but, um, but I've learned so much about the importance of copper and oxidative stress. Yeah. So, um, good stuff there. But Will spoke last week about the importance of our faith and our walk with the Lord mm -hmm. in regards to the healing process in general. I would love to hear your take on this too, Erin. How do you think that truly leaning into our faith affects us? That's a good question. You have very good questions. Um, it's, a loaded question, I feel like. So, oh gosh, where do I begin? Okay, so, I mean, I believe that, you know, leaning into your faith in the middle of a diagnosis really is no different than leaning into your faith in the middle of a divorce or in the middle of someone gossiping about you or trying not to lose it on your kids or anything, you know, that that is a part of life. And I'm not saying that the pain is, level is the same or the level of difficulty um, is the same or the fear. I'm not saying that, not at all. But I am saying that I feel like the mechanisms um, we take by tending to our hearts and minds and bodies should be the same, like when we go through all of that. So I think what I mean is, you know, every day we wake up, we have a choice. Well, we have a lot of choices, but, you know, we have choices to break habits, thought patterns, you know, that aren't serving us, extending forgiveness. And whether it feels like it or not, like those things are help choices. And I would go so far as to say that they rank a lot higher on the pyramid of like health than like even working out or eating healthy does. I mean, you can eat grass fed and organic all day long and you can slam thousands of dollars of supplements and vitamins down your throat. Um, but if you're walking like in unforgiveness or bitterness or constant fear or negativity about yourself or others, or you're holding on to past trauma, you know, that you haven't processed and walked through, then I, your body holds on to that. Um, your cells respond to that and it can make you physically sick. So 
I'm not saying that, you know, you can't receive healing if you're holding on to these things. You know, God is bigger than our hurt and he's bigger than our stubbornness. But I feel like what I am saying is a lot of the times we just cry out for God, you know, heal me, God. Like we're doing nothing, but we're doing nothing on our side to like walk in healing other than actually saying, you know, which is like a big thing to say in the South is like, people say like, I, you know, believe you're healed. And you're like, I claim it. I receive it, you know? And I believe that is the yeah. Lord's will. It's always healing. Um, I mean, I believe he sent a son for it. I mean, I can say that with complete conviction. And also I can say that I don't know why some people don't receive it on this side of heaven. But what I do know from experience, and I feel like just from what I've seen, just being alive for almost 30 years is a lot of people will be contending for healing, but they won't drop their vices, you know? So, and that can be with anything, you know, they can be saying, you know, God, please heal me of my blood pressure, or my cholesterol, but never consider like stopping their fast food addiction. They just say, give me more Lipitor, give me more metoprolol, you know, whatever it may be. Or they may say, you know, God, take away my anxiety and my depression, but they take no steps and, you know, seeking therapy or like getting off their iPhones or trying to break their porn addiction. Like it's just a constant cycle. And you might see people who are miserable in their marriage, but they won't, you know, go to counseling or they can't even fathom what it'd be like to serve their spouse in a way that feels like it goes against every fiber of their being. And I mean, those are just a few examples. And I mean, those are just a few examples. So I think healing is just a very multi-layered journey. I believe that when you are walking in wholeness and integrity and intentionality, you know, with your relationships, your conversations, your thought life, your health, processing pain and trauma, and then, you know, making good choices for your body. I mean, you already are setting yourself up for success. And I mean, if you think you're doing those things, or if you are doing those things and you do have a diagnosis, then... I think that you're creating a perfect environment for your body to heal. And I don't want this all to sound like self-work and self-help because Lord knows, I feel like we have too much of that noise in our ear already. Like if we could just be better and do better and, you know, it all is on us. I I think that's just a recipe for disaster because that leaves no like need for the Lord at all. So I'm definitely not taking God out of the equation at all. Um, Quite the opposite. But I think when you do all of those things, that I mentioned above and you're doing it unto the Lord. Um, and you're really leaning into the Holy spirit to like every decision and like every interaction and every thought, like you're running it by him, you know, it just, he's, he's all in it. So then it's really not about us at all. And it's just about walking in our calling every day. Um, and so I just want to add emphasis that I think, you know, there has been a great gap specifically in the church where it's like we just throw our hands up and we're either really content and like walking, you know, throughout our life with chronic illness and just accept our fate, you know, or on the other hand, we, you know, we're believing for healing, but we're doing a fraction of the work I feel like is required on our part. And I don't know if that sounds too rigid or too harsh of a belief, but it's just kind of where I've landed or um, you know, kind of where I'm at now. Um, I've been a Christian for 25 years and then also have been a nurse for, you know, like I said, five-ish years. So it's just kind of what I've noticed, but it's like strictly about food and exercise. And that could not be further from the truth. Like it's not the way we were intended to live our life. I think that's a part of it. Yes, but definitely not the whole thing. Um, I think that when you're tending to your heart and your mind and your body in a way that honors the Lord, it kind of takes the pressure off because 
you know, you know, you're doing what needs to be done and then he's got the rest of it. So, I mean, whether you have a diagnosis of cancer or you have a diagnosis of hypertension or depression, you know, our job is the same. We wake up and we get to work and we know that we have all of heaven on our side as well as our beautifully designed body when we treat it right. So, um, yeah, that's kind of, I feel like where I land with that part. Yeah. And I, I think every, all of our conversations, I feel like always goes back to balance you know, balance in our diet and balance in our, we, we just always come back to balance. And I, I feel mm-hmm. like that that's how it is here too. You can't, like you said, you can't pray God heal me from, you know, obesity and then go mm-hmm. buy a uh, number two from McDonald's right. like I did yeah. last night. So, you know, it's just, it's our <laughs> telling of myself, but um, we do, it, God expects us to put in the work, but have faith that he will meet us where we are. Yeah. So I thought yeah. that was beautifully said. So it's, yeah. So to our listeners who may want to, you know, dive into this, trying to heal our bodies the way that God, you know, designed us what are some recommendations or some ideas of ways for them to start like where can they start yeah I know with podcasts I feel like there's always so much information and sometimes you know sometimes it's hard to unpack and people don't have time to go back and listen again and again to like take notes because I feel like a lot of times it's in the car which is where I listen to mine at um so I would I just would start I guess by encouraging you to get to know your bodies um and how they work, but not based off of like what your doctor says or diagnoses you with, but truly like know your design while simultaneously getting to know the one who designed it. I would say start there. Um, you know, being healthy should have never been this complicated, but just like us in our nature, we overcomplicate everything. Um, so when you, you know, you feel overwhelmed, just start from the basics. You know, there's things that our bodies need and then there's things that our bodies don't need. So educate yourself on that. Um, we know what makes us feel good. We know what makes us feel bad. Um, you know, there's a time and a place I believe for medicine and then there's a time and a place for alternatives. Um, and then I just have like random tidbits. I'll just add in there like, and I know I was talking about the list of do's and don'ts, but I feel like these are pretty important. Like if you're going to do stuff that are very simple versus not doing stuff, I would feel like these would be it. Um, but first, I guess if you are on birth control of any form, um, please ask yourself why, you know, if it's to regulate your periods or stop having painful periods, just know like there's a deeper reason for why those things are happening. Um, painful or irregular periods are not normal, but they're very common. So I would try working with someone who who would support your body and like how it's supposed to operate rather than working with someone who goes against it by just prescribing you a birth control. Um, I would also like to add that balancing your hormones is like foundational, Um, But it really can be just as simple as like starting with an adrenal cocktail. Um, And you can Google that. And then Ray Pete, his apple carrot salad um, every day. You can Google that as well. Um, Also, ladies, as much as you can and feel comfortable, let your boobs breathe and take your bra off or at least don't wear bras with underwire. There's so many health benefits to that as well. Um, And please, please, please do not wear your phone on your body, like especially near your chest or set it between your legs while driving, um, and the same with Bluetooth headphones, just, just don't, um, and truly, like, all of those topics could be podcast conversations, so Rachel, if you want to have me back, I would love to dive into <laughs> each of those, um, uh, I mean, of but, course, <laughs> yeah. 
but we truly are, you know, meant to walk in freedom in every area of our life. And freedom does not mean walking in ignorance, but it also doesn't mean walking in fear. So there are things that you will come to the realization of, and it's just about like, you know, saying, okay, like, this is what I have. Like, God has grace for the rest. Like, you know, for the years that I didn't know, maybe, hey, you know, vaccination wasn't the best for my kid. Or, hey, maybe, you know, this, whatever it is, like, God has grace for that. So I would just say find balance between, you know, ignorance and then fear and just be free of both of those things. Um, so, you know, let's educate ourselves because I can promise you our government is not going to do it for us. And then, you know, do the very best we can do for our children and our children's children, because we are, you know, setting them up. Like I know that we set them up financially. Like that's our goal. Like we want to have, you know, them just set for the future. And then we want to set them up. We want to teach them the ways of the Lord. Like we want to set them up that way, but also let's set them up, you know, for health. Um, and lastly, I would just like to say to you, Rachel, thank you so, so much for having me on. Um, I've really, really enjoyed getting to talk about all of this with you. I only have a couple of people who, you know, kind of share the same passions, but I just think it's wonderful what you're doing here. And like I said before, I think you're a really good example of just what it looks like to, you know, welcome medicine while also, you know, learning how your body works and how it's designed to work by also welcoming, you know, holistic philosophies into your life. I know that you have touched so many people on so many different levels and areas of their own walk in this life. And I'm just thankful to, you know, have a little seat and watch it all unfold. Well, so I, I appreciate you so much. And like, like I said, you, you know, you just voluntarily, you know, we, we've grown up in the same town. It's a small town. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows everybody. And of course <laughs> I know your family and your husband and his family, right. but you know, having conversations, we've never really talked that much before. And mm-hmm. you just really took, you know, just a leap and sending me, you know, here's this information if you're interested. And, and it just led me down this whole path that I just don't know if I, I may have found it eventually on my own, but it was just amazing how, you know, kind of God worked through you to lead me in this direction. But, um, yes. So keep, keep learning and, and thank you again for, for kind of, like I said, leading me in this direction. But, um, Good luck. With how much longer do you have? How well? How many weeks are you? In I think I'm like 26 or 27. I think I'm due in February. I always tell people late February because last time I told people my exact due date, and they were like asking me every day, like, "Okay, like your past due date, like what's happening?" I'm like, "It's an <laughs> estimated due date, so <laughs> right. February, early March." Possibly. Well, I will be praying for you and and Thank this you. you know wonderful new step in y'all's family's life, and I just Thank hope you. everything goes smoothly. Brett's tons of kudos for um you know doing the the at home birth I just think that's awesome I I was not I was not that brave so (laughs) a whole nother topic for a whole nother podcast so (laughs) yes listeners please you know be ready Erin will be back but again thank you so much and I hope you have a wonderful rest of your night thank you so much Once again, thank you, friends, for joining us today. I pray that it has stretched your mind just a little, and if nothing else, maybe it has lit a tiny spark that will push you to do some of your own research in order to make an even the smallest of changes to bring our bodies back to the way that God created them. Um, If you're interested in learning more about this topic, I encourage you to research Morley Robbins the Weston A. Price Foundation, or the Ancestral Diet. And as always, one step is all that we can do at a time. One small change at a time 
Keep fighting, sister. I'm here in the trenches with you. So come back next week. I'm going to be changing it up just a little bit. I want to focus the next couple of episodes on how to best support someone going through the cancer battle because our support system is so crucial in our healing journey. So come back and I'll see you soon. Thank you so much, friend, for joining us today. Again, please join our Facebook community and let me know how I can pray for you. Also, if you could give our podcast a review, I would so much appreciate that. I'm tuning in every Wednesday for inspiration and encouragement as we work together to overcome challenges. Be intentional, sister, in your pursuit of Jesus, even in the valley, so that when others see you, they'll know she is a warrior.